The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Jocelyn Bershik. She's the president and senior construction manager at Sundance Construction. Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Hello, Laura. Thank you for uh, having me on today. So we are going to talk all about designing a sustainable community that's good for people, it's good for the environment, and uh, we're going to find out how Jocelyn is doing it. So we're going to start with an Icelandic concept that Jocelyn's using, and I'm going to try to say this right, so correct me if I don't again, but uh, it's Samflog. Is that right? Yes, so Samflog means, uh, it's an Icelandic word meaning community or a place of community gathering. So when we looked at this, because the area in which I'm living in is one of the largest Icelandic communities outside of Iceland in Canada, the Gimli area, it was natural for us to use one of the terms that means community. So Samflog is actually the name of our sustainable housing development, and this has actually just gone to a public listing. Awesome. And this is in the, uh, is it near Winnipeg? Yeah. So we are north of Winnipeg and uh, between Winnipeg and Gimli, and it's about an hour north. So we are right at the, the upper end of the Red River Valley. Awesome. And so you are taking some aspects from two different, well, a few different cultures actually, and putting them into the community design. So you're taking some First Nations and Métis aspects and incorporating that into the project. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So when we're looking at uh, the idea of First Nations and and Métis, so as a Métis woman, um, and I worked within the First Nations all over northern Manitoba, northwest Ontario. And what we see in both cultures is that they're centered around the community. They're centered around relationships and mentorship between young and old. So the idea is that it's a transfer of knowledge that happens between young and old within these communities. Traditionally, these communities were set up either in a circle, they're set up with a central gathering point, and they're set up in a way that facilitates the physical coming together of people within the community. So within my development, I've actually done all of that. So we've incorporated every aspect of the the idea of mentorship and the the physical central gathering point within the design. The development is actually laid out in a way that also incorporates the idea of nature and wildlife and keeping that that component of of nature within the physical build. No clear-cutting. Everything here is built within mature tree growth. So we're actually uh, blending into our natural environment. We're not cutting it down. Oh my goodness, that's so amazing because in, in my town of Belleville, and maybe if you're listening from Belleville, you'll see this too. I did live in the, oh gosh, what's it called? Um, the development that's by the Belleville Cemetery and and they did exactly that. So it was a whole clear cut and they just took everything down and then built and uh, I think they planted maybe a couple trees back in the the park when everything was done. But 
when I built my house in the country, I did what you're talking about where I built my house in between the trees. So we took the minimal amount of trees down so that we have like a forest kind of living. And then that way we get like turkeys and we had a porcupine waddle up into our yard the other day. We have birds and squirrels and it's like living in nature. And uh, I think that's amazing. And also for mental health as well, I've read an article that says mental health is better on city streets that have trees. Yes, which is is neat, and it it makes sense to me certainly. So I think that that's a, a wonderful idea. So we have the the Canadian like First Nations and Métis aspects of community, and then you also took in some uh, some European community design as well. Can you tell us about that part? So when we're looking at the uh, the area where I'm in, it has huge Scandinavian influences and some of the architecture here has been influenced by that, but not as much as uh, I would like to see. So when we looked at Scandinavian designs, they're efficient, they're built uh, to handle the same cold climate that we have here in Canada, they're designed to handle snow loads, um, they're designed with a robust building construction, so the physical construction is very similar to what we would see here in Canada. And then in these homes, we tra uh, traditionally see multiple forms of energy as well. So with the similarity in the weather events that we have and how they physically build to encompass the idea of bringing in more light during those winter months, uh, the design actually created an openness that allowed residents to be able to deal with things like seasonal affective disorder in a better way. So they have an open concept design. They allow for natural sunlight in all of the, the different seasons. The designs also allow for cooling during the summer months and that, uh, that the radiant heat that gathering in, in the winter months. So I took all of those components. So we use what's called a sawtooth design, which is very traditional in Scandinavian countries and is very sleek. It's very uh, low cost to build, uses less material. We have used all of those aspects in our build. So with the sawtooth design, it's kind of like a very steep, it's almost, would you say it's almost like an A-frame, but like one side of the A kind of doesn't go right to the apex? Yeah. Uh, so with a sawtooth, it's literally like that. So you'll have uh, what we call them as monoslopes. So we'll have a monoslope on one side, we'll have a monoslope on the other side. And what that does is it physically uses less building materials that allows for a higher vaulted ceiling. And we can get a really good, deep insulation factor in the roof. So what I've designed in this case is I've designed one half of the house is, is vaulted. Uh, we have like a 14 foot ceiling, tons of windows, all with that south and east facing exposures. And then the other side, we have the second part of the sawtooth, which is like a uh, reverse triangle. It's, it's so efficient. So as a builder, when I'm looking at this is that my trusses, uh, when I look at building this, well, my trusses cost me maybe two thirds of the cost of traditional. And so already I'm, I'm, I'm saving money in the, the idea of the build itself. So 
I looked at to Scandinavian design and looked at some of the even the internal things, the internal infrastructure that nobody really thinks about. Like, where do you run your plumbing? How do you run all those things together? Where how do you run your wiring, your mechanical? And I looked at all pieces of that. I said, okay, how do I reduce? How do I make this smart? And how do I make these houses affordable at the same time? Because I've reduced the cost of building. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, it's it's important, right, for a lot of people to have affordable uh, housing. Um, so I do want to ask you some questions about that. Um, but I do want to just mention, because you touched on a really cool point about building toward the sunlight. So I love ancient history. So I find it fascinating that all these pyramids and Stonehenge and, and things are all like aligned to the, the sun on certain certain days of the year, like equinox or solstice. My house actually has south-facing windows. And so... So we're in the northern hemisphere and when the earth tilts the uh the sunlight comes in the windows in the winter but then in the summer because of the earth tilting back um we don't get any of the sun in the windows which is so good because in the winter when it's cold we're getting the heat from the sun we're getting some sunlight but then in the summer when it's super super hot out and you don't want that sun heating up your house even more uh it's it's not hitting the windows so um i i just really love that kind of aspect and it's these little things that you might not think of when you're you're building right so it's really cool that you're thinking about these things and making the house lovely to live in and then also energy efficient and and like you mentioned seasonal affective disorder right like the winters here are they can be long dark cold right so um it's just great that you're thinking about all these different aspects and combining them into your design I built Sundance Construction from the ground up um I got loans from the Women's Enterprise Center in Manitoba and Mm -hmm. I had to do so many things. I had to battle the insurance companies to say is that I had the experience that allows me to get insurance and bonding. Um, I had to do almost like a board interview to prove that I had the knowledge to do this. So then I really was able to dig down. Now I'm my own boss. Now I'm digging down into environmental design. Now I'm looking to work with people that are looking at cutting edge design and looking at clean water technologies and looking at better sewer technologies. And then that's when I met uh, Dr. Bruce Jank uh, from Burlington, Ontario, a PhD in engineering, and he is brilliant. He's in his 70s. He used to be the former head of research and development for Environment Canada and Sewer and Water. He was responsible for more patents and sewer and water technology in Canada than any other man I know. And he became my mentor. And I've been flying along that path of environmental sustainability and clean water and sewer since that day. I haven't looked back. So the community that you're building, you mentioned that it's for everyone. So it's cool that you're bringing in these First Nations and Métis aspects of community. And then you're bringing in the Scandinavian design for snow and for cold and for efficiency and So why is the affordability part important to building this community as well as the other things that are important? Well, one of the things that I saw as I was building my construction career and building my construction company is that the area that I live in, Gimli, is one of the oldest demographics in Manitoba. 
it is so the average age here is i think it's 56. that's that's an old demographic and there's not enough housing for that and now they're looking at the ideas that hey if my partner dies you know we're we're 65 or we're 70 if our partner dies we will be forced to leave the home. We won't be able to maintain it. We won't be able to pay for it. We don't have enough equity in the bank to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to afford utilities. And then I started looking at this and saying, what? And so neighbors that I, who I helped build their house with them, the neighbors where we, we built things together and where they were a part of my son's lives for many years, now they're moving away because they are looking at the harsh reality that the house is too big for them and they cannot afford to stay there if one of them dies. And I was heartbroken. I was absolutely heartbroken because, you know, people that have been a part of my life forever now are are moving away because they can't stay within the RM. So I said, hey, how do I fix this? How do I come up with a solution? And then I was looking at the top of that is that now I, as a construction company owner and as an employer, I hire a lot of guys. I hire a lot of single guys. I hire a lot of single parents. I see young professionals trying to come into the area. They've got no place to live. I'm looking at some of the safety of the developments that are going in. You know, you're either looking at trailer type RTMs, modular homes, row housing, or you're going to commute from outside. And nothing was affordable. In Gimli, the typical rent is $1,400 a month. I mean, my guys, if they're working for $18, $19, $20 an hour, that is half their paycheck. And then I started seeing all the other things. I started looking at carbon tax and looking at the impact. And I was looking at the impact that it was having on my building materials, the cost of my building materials, uh, what it was going to cost for fuel costs. And then I realized very quickly, and I started putting it to spreadsheets and saying, no way, no way are people going to be able to do this. And so all of these things came together and said to me, okay, affordability is directly linked to sustainability. They go hand in hand. They always should be talked about in the same sentence because if people can afford to live in a home, to build a home, to do different things like that, as a construction company owner, I'm out of business. And just yeah. the idea of how I want to create a community and, and give back to my community, I started, I put my head into the idea of how do I do this? How do I, I meld the idea of independent micro community, sustainability, affordability. And that's how, how Sunflag was born. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for putting these all together. You are a genius and you're really helping people, I think, because I think this affordability thing that you're, you're talking about is so important because when you can't afford to live, life is very, very miserable. And uh, this is what we see a lot in Canada that nobody really talks about because I don't feel like rural people have much of a voice in this country. And I, I think they're being really hurt by things like the carbon tax and things that make their, their prices go up and uh, like the energy. So with, with your community, you're talking about, like, I think you are talking about a mix of um, like solar, natural gas, that kind of thing. Yeah. So basically what we've done with the design is we have gone from 
typically in Manitoba, we see um, an R22 insulation within the wall cavity. It's a two by six construction. Um, R22 is about the best you get. Keeping in the heat, right? Yeah, yeah. insulation va- factor. So the insulation factor works in two ways. It keeps the air temperature cool in summer, reducing the need for things like air conditioning. So, and then also the heating factor in the, the winter time. And a lot of things contribute to what that R value is. So it's not just how much insulation you have. It's also about air gaps. It's also about ceiling. It's also about radiant uh, energy, thermal energy, being able to incorporate every aspect of that in a very smart, um, efficient way. So what we've done is we have incorporated into our natural environment. So we've increased the R value from R22 in the walls to R40. We have used an engineered wood system for the exterior of our homes, beautiful metal roofs, low maintenance, uh, nice, big, thick um, R50 to R60 in the ceilings, solid uh, concrete slabs throughout, reducing maintenance. Um, We don't have issues with uh, mold, uh, infiltration, radon gases, anything like that. Within the home, we're eliminating a whole host of issues there. Our homes are built robust, solid wood construction, but robust and done in a way that is affordable. So our building package itself is very, very inexpensive compared to other uh, building styles. So I spend a little bit more on the finishings, really good window systems, lots of windows, but windows that are protected, extra long overhangs, covered walkways in order to reduce maintenance, things like that. A monoslope that slopes down toward the south, not up. And that gives us the shielding, gives us the, again, you talked about this earlier, is about the, where the sun tilts, we get that sunlight in the winter months, and we get a slight amount of shading um, and reflection during the summer months to keep it cooler inside. So 14-foot high vaulted ceiling for the kitchen, living room, dining room, open concept area. We have only two bedrooms. Everything is low water consumption. It's a lower uh, usage. So we have six solar panels, the addition of a small wind generator, so that if we go off grid, because we lose power here all the time, that way we have a generator panel built into each and every home so that if the grid goes down, we can power up. We have natural gas heating because I absolutely love a natural gas furnace. It reduces the load on the the electricity side of things. And it allows me to be able to put in an affordable system. So uh, for wind and solar, if we go off grid, gas still flows, we have um, an energy source via generator to power up the inverters, which are AC, which allow us to actually draw in that solar power and that wind power, depending on time of day. When you're not off grid and when the grid is functioning, all of that dumps back into the grid as a credit. So it's offsetting carbon taxation. So you're getting a credit on utility bill, you're keeping affordable utilities, and then you're able to be able to have a system that gives you independence. We have independent sewer and water, we don't connect to municipal infrastructure, thereby taking the load off the municipality and keeping us all independent within the system. So again, something happens on the outside grid goes down. Um, My sewer system, which is um, a 99% tertiary treatment with no chemicals, that is still going to be operational. Our water still operates via our own backup generators to be able to push out water to all 27 homes. The type of homes that we're building 
typically sell towards the cities um, about 350, 360, 370, 380 thousand dollars. That's not where we put them. We're marketing them somewhere around the 250 mark. Affordable. They have the ability to be able to pay for a mortgage without breaking the bank. You can work a normal job and pay for your mortgage. Uh, so you're going to pay half the amount of typical rent or two-thirds the amount of typical rent and have equity. That's the idea of this. The whole idea of the build is about I want, I want one person to be able to afford this or two people to afford this. I'm thinking about the health and wellness of my residents. I'm thinking about their financial stability, their independence. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about their safety. I'm thinking about their privacy. Um, yeah. All those things are all a part of what's rolling through my head as I'm building. We've already started building the first one. I'm building a relationship at the same time that I'm building a home. Yeah, this is really great. I wish you had built my uh, built my house <laughs> when I built mine a few years ago. Uh, I just think it's wonderful that you're taking all of these aspects and combining them uh, together and, and thinking about the affordability and the health of people because some of these subdivisions I see going up, this urban sprawl, right? I just really worry about like children growing up there. Like they don't even have a yard or if they do, it's like the size of a box. And when you leave your house, you know, there's no where to go and hang out. There's no big tree to sit under or a bench because the big trees have been all cut down so that they could just clear cut and cookie cutter and get these houses up as fast as they can and sell them as fast as they can and make as much money as they can. And I don't think that's very sustainable. So it's very cool to see you bring in different cultures and uh, different aspects to make the best thing that you can. Um, so Thank you. Uh, where can we find you and the details of this? Is it sun, sundanceconstruction.ca? Yeah, so you can look at um, sundanceconstruction.ca. Best way to reach us is office at sundanceconstruction.ca. You can find information on the development itself, actually on Twitter. Um, I pinned tweet up there where you can reach me at Sundance Construction um, as our Twitter handle. We're, we're out there. We have a April 1 possession date. So... We've already got the walking trails that are already existing. We've got 100-year-old oaks that are scattered throughout this. We've got a real mix of, of that uh, different types of tree growth, whether it's evergreen, the deciduous, a real mix of everything here. And this is all much older growth uh, in terms of what we have here in Manitoba. And we are literally five minutes from Lake Winnipeg. So you can walk from the development to the beach in about five minutes across country. Smart, affordable, green, uh, low carbon footprint. And we've done it without the overhead bells and whistles and the cost and burden of lead. We're like lead, but better. And we're not doing it because somebody told us to get certified or we paid extra dollars to have it lead certified. We went out and we used common sense, available building methods, smart design, and we incorporated it all into our subdivision so that we could do this and we can show other construction companies and other developers that you can take um, this building style and this building method and you can do a sustainable development and you can do it and you can make a profit and you can still provide something wonderful for your community and contribute to the expansion of, of a safe community in a way that is manageable and it's not going to require 
millions, $200 million from the federal government and do it without all that government waste that's out there. The solar, um, are they made in Manitoba? Yes, they're made here. So everything is being produced here in Manitoba. Oh, I didn't know that uh, that Manitoba was producing solar panels. That's pretty cool. There is a company called Kinetic Energy out of um, Winkler, Manitoba, and they have uh, both components of, of wind and solar. The wind that they're using is not the horizontal turbines necessarily. They're using uh, very small, compact uh, vertical blades. Really cool, really small. So we're looking at the idea of bird strikes and things like that being minimized. We're using this on a, on a residential level. So we're doing it not to provide uh, on a long term all the energy required because it's not possible, you know, for a traditional home to provide all of that in a residential home. But what we're doing is we're minimizing the requirements for so many different things. And by increasing the efficiency of the insulation factor within the home, we are reducing the requirement of how much natural gas is actually being used. So the idea of reduce, reuse, recycle, we put it right into the design. It's probably one of the best building models you can use to be able to reduce a carbon footprint right off the bat. There's no other way to reduce a carbon footprint in Manitoba. We are a cold climate. You need natural gas or electricity to heat your home, or you're going to use wood heat to heat your home. Yeah. That's it. You don't have anything. Maybe you have an oil furnace, or you have a diesel generator, or you have something along those lines. But no matter what you are doing, you are going to be using something along those lines. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out how to how to do all of this, how to innovate without somebody on a government level forcing us to. You know, mm. I would have always done this. I would have always built in this direction because of ethics and because of my background. Um, I would have always uh, followed this path. But I don't need a government department official, and I don't need government policy to force me to do that. And I don't need them to punish the people within my communities when they can't afford to do these things. I mean, people being forced to spend twice as much on an, an energy efficient furnace, natural gas furnace or electric furnace, put systems in that are hugely expensive at the front end and really don't produce much of an efficiency at the back end. I mean, people aren't getting a great value for what they've been forced to take on. So we're looking at ways to reduce that. And I want to be able to put in systems that are going to have a lifetime within the home. I want to install a furnace that's going to see the kind of like a use level where they're going to get 20, 25 years out of it. But then I'm also looking at the maintenance, because maintenance is a part of any system, any build system. If you're not, as a builder, looking at the home and saying, is that if I build it this way, what type of maintenance factor is going to be involved later on down the road? Oh, my goodness. You're missing a key component of it. Yeah, it's not very environmentally friendly to be sending all these furnaces to the local landfill, right? If, uh, no. if they don't last very long. So sometimes I think there's a balance of okay, do I upgrade and spend a lot of money on a, a furnace or something? Uh, but then I've got the carbon footprint of now the old furnace and the new one, and the old one's got to go sit in a landfill and do who knows what in my local area, right? So there's kind of questions about 
uh, about that as well. So, I mean, we talk about that all the time, especially with clothing, even on, on different yes. levels, right? Uh, if you can yes. get good quality and maybe pay a little bit more up front, but then know that you're not going to have to throw that out in the next, you know, 10 years or so. Well, the neat thing is about our design, because of the way we've designed the homes, we don't need air conditioning. So I am able to deal with the, with the extreme heat. I'm able to deal with the monoslope design and the, the deflection of the sunlight and the insulation factor in our ceilings. I'm able to deal with that. And we'll have a home that is cool in the summer and it is warm in the winter without adding unnecessary components. We have to do that. If we want to make these homes affordable, we have to figure out what is necessary in the home and what isn't. Mm -hmm. And the Ontario, uh, if you look at a chart of Ontario energy usage, you'll see that it's insanely high in the summer. Like I always thought, oh, well, our, our electricity, you know, we need a lot of it for heating, but nope, <laughs> it's definitely the AC uh, because it gets yes. like we have this wide range in Canada. This is why we have these unique challenges, right? Uh, we have minus 30 to plus 30, basically, and, and, and sometimes colder or hotter than that. But um, basically, I'd say a, a, a 60 degree Celsius spread of weather that we need to deal with. And there are a lot of challenges that come with that. Um, so Absolutely. Your, your design, I think, sounds really awesome and very Canadian. That's the idea of Samplug is uh, nature, uh, the living world we're in, the, the residents that live within, the physical homes, they're all part of it. They are literally in the same system, the ecosystem as, as, as us. So when I look at building, I'm literally saying is that, okay, I am creating a living system for everything that is within that and everybody's going to do their part so nature trees vegetation you're going to do your part in order to remove nitrates and phosphates um, through my septic system so that we can have a greener cleaner environment overall cool new word of the day sam flog <laughs> <laughs> thank you awesome. so much yeah thank you jocelyn that was jocelyn bershik she's a president and senior construction manager at sundance construction Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.